Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and importantly some of your very own personal stories. I want to thank you for being part of Mike's Open Journal as guests, as visitors, as speakers, as listeners. Welcome to the world of mental health. And remember, you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome back to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal and obviously welcoming you to episode 122 and it's not just you I'm welcoming, it's also a brand new guest to the podcast, Zoe's going to be with us today talking about her own experience with mental health illness uh, and also being involved as a Time to Change young champion or former young champion, being a mental health campaigner and a blogger as well. Uh, so Zoe's going to be sharing her story with us uh, in a few moments. I also wanted to say not just welcome, but thank you to you guys for continuing to download podcasts, to hopefully subscribing um, and getting involved on Facebook and Twitter and on Instagram as well. Uh, and also hopefully checking out the website mikesopenjournal.com. I would like to mention that you guys have been ace on iTunes or Apple Podcasts as it now is, on SoundCloud and on Acast. But a reminder to those of you that don't know, the podcast is also now available on Spotify. So you can catch us in a range of different places. Um, So please make sure that you are subscribed on however you're listening to this. But also, if you really enjoy an episode, please feel free to share it or to talk to myself or the guests for that episode and let us know what you think and engage in the conversations that we are having. But yes, Zoe's going to be with us today. Um, I was delighted to sit down and have a conversation with Zoe and hear a little bit more about her story we've met i think just once before i can't remember if it's twice i think it's just once hopefully it's once because i'm now embarrassed i don't remember the second time uh but we met at a time to change young champions event uh about a year ago now i think possibly um and it was really interesting to hear a little bit about zoe's story and have a chat with her at that stage but uh, i got to find out so much more today and again that's why i love the podcast so much having 
brave and confident and passionate people coming on and talking about their story and their experiences with mental health with mental health illnesses as well as kind of well-being uh and feeling comfortable to say look we don't know all the answers uh, i'm not an expert um but these are the things that i know and these are the experiences that i've had some have been good and some have been bad but i'm happy to share them and i want to engage more people in that conversation around mental health so it was absolutely awesome to sit down and have a chat with zoe and hear more about her experience and, and talk with someone else that is also so passionate about uh raising awareness uh of mental health uh and like i say illnesses uh as well as just well-being um and it is important to remember as zoe says later on in the episode that we do all have mental health um and we are all affected at it at it with it uh throughout all of our lives so it's a really interesting conversation to have and i hope you guys enjoy it i'm gonna drop you straight in to our conversation in a second just before i do would like to remind you guys if you're interested in coming onto the podcast yourselves and sharing your story or your experience whether that's um with a mental health illness in terms of maybe a particular type of support or well-being that you use to keep yourself well even if you don't have or haven't been affected by a mental health illness it'd still be really interesting to hear from you and you might have seen or heard in the last I think sort of five or six episodes we've had a couple of people come on to the podcast that haven't been affected by a mental health illness and have shared their stories or their projects that they're involved with that are there to help other people's wellness and well-being so equally it'd be interesting to hear from some of you guys as well so please do get in contact with me over at mikesopenjournal.com or over on the social medias but for now I'm going to drop you straight into my conversation with Zoe thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoy this I've had a oh I've just had such an exciting day as well so I could tell you all about that's pretty cool I mean yeah let's start there tell me about your exciting day so I started off doing a recovery and well-being college a couple of weeks ago Hmm. um which is like it was a pilot scheme the first in the my area of Kent uh and it went really well and they did some really really fantastic courses like living well with personality disorder which I have um and there was some experiencing stigma and fighting against it there was a course for that um loads of different just really well ones like bouncing back resilience and stuff like that um and this this afternoon I went to the like graduation ceremony and got some certificates and certificates always make me feel awesome (laughs) there's something about a certificate isn't there yeah 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 it's the you've achieved something worth recognition it's like it's like the gold stars isn't it like when you're little It it is it's an adult gold star certificate I love them um what kind of what led to you getting involved in the stuff that you were doing today then um I think I was just looking for something to give me a bit more confidence so obviously I do all the time to change uh stuff which is awesome but I like to do things locally as well Mm. and um I was speaking to someone that I went to Ash Eaton with which is a personality disorder unit um and she was like oh I'm running this course it would be I think it would be really good for you Mm. so I said oh what's it about and she was like well you know you know a lot about it already because you've done 
this course but um it's about living well with person like borderline personality disorder I think it would really like help you mm. um because I feel like I'm in a bit of a rut at the moment where I'm not well enough to go back to work but I'm too well to be sitting at home doing nothing um and I don't think there's enough recognition of that sort of part of your wellness recovery you know mm. I spoke to someone previously about the um like they were particularly looking at when someone comes out of prison because that was their remit and it was like the transition from prison to um being someone that doesn't have that kind of structure around them in terms of the care and the support and I think it is really interesting because again when we talk about young people moving into um or away from cams and then into like adult services that transition being really bad and like you say that idea of you're kind of in between being well enough and, and still struggling with certain things. And again, it's that transition and um, a, a lack of support from one to the other, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you almost, you there's almost a thing in, in mental health services where you're either not, you're not unwell enough for help or you're too unwell for help. Mm. And if you're in the middle... <laughs> <laughs> you're right but it you know if you're doing okay but you're struggling there doesn't seem to be a lot of support there and if you're really struggling it's either hospital or you're sort of left to deal with the crisis team mm. and I think it's really important that when you're in the middle and you you feel that you're sliding but you're not there yet and you don't want to hit the bottom there isn't a lot of support there for you yeah and I mean do you think that's maybe where we get a bit of the, um, when we talk about kind of like high functioning depression or high functioning anxiety, like, do you feel like that's kind of something that you associate with in terms of your wellness or is it just a case of your tra- transitioning from um, being in not a great place to an improved place? Um, I think a bit of both actually. I do mm. think I'm quite high functioning, so, mm. well I can be. Um, and I do think that your sort of stigmatizes, oh, well, you're not trying hard enough then. Yeah. Um, when actually it's like, no, I'm trying really hard, but you just don't see the struggle. Yeah. Um, so then when you hit crash, when you eventually crash, people are really surprised because they haven't seen it coming. Mm. I do, I fit in that category, but sometimes it's just about when things are starting to feel out of control and you're not quite sure what is happening and that's when you want to start reaching out for help but because you're not displaying any crisis symptoms you get turned away a bit people don't like you seriously and it's like that's the time when you really need the help Mm. because you're willing to take (laughs) you're willing to take it whereas I think for me when I've when I'm in crisis I'm usually a bit more reluctant to accept the help because I feel like I've given up at that point yeah and also because you're in crisis. <laughs> oh, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I um I've gone along to uh, like I talk sessions before and um, workshops and group therapy and stuff like that. And I don't know if they've ever outright said it, but it's definitely heavily implied that the idea is that you're looking at predominantly those coping strategies that you can use as part of your kind of day to day life, your day to day routine, and this is to help um prevent or lessen um those crisis situations 
predominantly they're not really going to change a huge amount for you when you're in that crisis situation I don't know if you feel like that matches your experience yeah Mm. like you phone up and you're like I'm implementing everything that I've been given but it's no longer enough Mm. Mm. and that's when you need someone to step in and that's when I've noticed that that there isn't really that stage of help Mm. it's almost like you have to wait until you either recover or hit the rock bottom and then all of a sudden all the help comes surging in (laughs) yeah yeah then it's when you don't want it (laughs) well yeah I've seen um I guess probably a lot more I would say the second half of this year of people talking about their experience and particularly conversations with uh like a combination of GPs and specialists where um, they've basically had that conversation that they're, they're not doing well and they're struggling, that they've already engaged with a particular service and they're being told, look, there's, there's nothing more we can do for you unless you are suicidal and you've got a particular plan. There isn't yeah. anything else. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you kind of think of that or what's your, been your experience in regards to, particularly with stuff like Times Change because you've got, um, other advocates around you that I have seen publicly talk about that situation yeah um I've met a lot of inspirational people through time to change and they all seem to be of the same sort of opinion that and I think this is where all this stigma comes from is that actually when you're getting the help you're generally a functioning member of society mm. so people are usually surprised to hear that I'm in therapy because I'm out in the world mm. <laughs> And, you know, if you're in hospital, um, you're in a place of care. Mm. It's actually the people who are left on the streets or left to, to basically deal with it mm. on their own. Um, that are the ones that are acting strangely because they're saying, can I have some help, please? And they're saying, well, you're not ill enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so difficult. I mean kind of get into that stage as well I know we've started to to talk about a few different things and um kind of conversations I don't know if you're happy to tell us a little bit more kind of about yourself and about um your journey with mental health up until this point uh yeah so um about four years ago now um I started experiencing psychosis for the first time Hmm. um which was pretty scary Um, It led me to go into a mental health hospital for the first time. And that was um, quite a upturn of my life, I suppose. Um, I'd I'd had struggles before with depression and anxiety, but I never really thought that it was anything too serious. I didn't really understand what mental health was, um, even with diagnosis of um, depression I just thought I wasn't trying hard enough I was stigmatizing myself I suppose um, and employers were sort of like well you can't prove that you have it mm. <laughs> they were like um, so you're basically just telling us that you're going to be taking time off work and I didn't I wasn't strong enough then to say well hang on a minute that's not right yeah. that's not how me actually I'm coming to you and I'm being open and trying to explain to you why my work 
rate isn't as great as it used to be um it's not okay for you to suggest that I marry the guy downstairs because he also has depression I mean it's laughable now but at the time it was really hurtful Mm. um and it made me worse to be honest yeah um and I struggled with it alone for a while um but when I when I had the episode of psychosis and went into hospital, I realised that actually I was really unwell. Um, and it made me take a different look at myself and realise that I hadn't been giving myself any love or self-care um, because I'd just been trying to push myself to be better um, when actually what I really needed was to give myself time to recover. Mm. Um, and then I finally got a proper diagnosis of oh sorry that's okay (laughs) really hurt my ear (laughs) (laughs) just gonna turn it vibrate so that doesn't keep happening (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) it made me chuckle oh well at least it made someone laugh (laughs) (laughs) i was just like oh for goodness sake it's so popular Oh, obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? I forgot where I was going with that now. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. And learning up about that and realising that what I was going through wasn't all in my head that there was actually reasons behind how what I was experiencing and how I was feeling and going through um, the Ash Eaton program which is designed to help you understand your disorder and how to manage mm. and it's a year-long program three days a week so it's really intense group therapy um and it's in Folkestone, so I had a bit of a travel to get there, but it was so worth it. Mm. Um, and it helped me understand myself so much better. I think it's um, kind of from um, a brief part of what you said, there's a couple of things that would be interesting to look at. Um, like that idea of the, the depression and anxiety early on and um, not necessarily seeing that as serious or as serious as it was and I wonder what you think about the idea that see depression and anxiety being a lot more um prevalent or more common um in terms of a mental health illness but are we at a stage not necessarily now but over the last few years I guess including now where actually that isn't seen as like a serious illness Yes and no. I mean, if I was diagnosed now with the knowledge that I have with depression on its own, um, I would take it seriously. I think for me, um, because there wasn't any talk of depression or anxiety when I was originally diagnosed, I'm yeah. I'm talking about 2010 here, mm. um, I didn't really understand it and I just thought it was something that I was doing wrong. Mm. Um where actually I think they're very serious illnesses um, and I'm glad that they're getting so much, what's the word I'm looking for, heat, I suppose, Mm. um, 
behind them because they are so common. But at the same time, I do wonder if they're becoming too common that people are saying, oh, well, everyone has it. It's not that serious. Mm. I I can see two sides to that, really. I am... it's interesting because I was sort of having a conversation with the other day and it sort of reminded me of this kind of ongoing conversation that seemed to keep on coming back to about particularly depression and anxiety being seen as like these common or everyday illnesses that aren't that serious. And um, then I walked past um, oh, some pharmacy um, in a town centre the other day where they've got all these boards out the front for the flu jab. And I was like, it's kind of like that, isn't it? Like how the flu is really like flus and colds and stuff. They're, they're really common um, and we don't really pay much attention to them. But actually some people that are in a um, particular situation, so predominantly uh, like young people, old people and pregnant people, pregnant people, <laughs> like there's anyone other than women, um, <laughs> and pregnant people um, are more susceptible to that. Um, and so we draw attention to it and we like, make sure you get your jabs and all this sort of stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, like depression and anxiety may be seen as like this common cold, but they're not given the recognition of actually certain people will be really heavily affected by this. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, you might get a little bit of depression or low mood or whatever, but some people are susceptible to this and actually it might really change their day-to-day life. And it's not quite, I feel like that's... And I don't think it's, although it's coming across and I'm really glad people are talking about it and being open about it. And I Mm. think we should be doing that with with some of the more serious illnesses as well. You know, some of the some of the big ones that are still getting heavily stigmatized like schizophrenia. Mm. But at the same time, you know, you can't take away how serious depression and anxiety can be because for some people it can ruin their lives. I, again, yes, um, had a similar um, type of conversation a couple of times last week, actually, because um, I was delivering training with uh, another colleague, and we talked about, on one slide, it says, I can't think of the exact phrasing of the question, but basically says, um, serious illnesses like schizophrenia and um, psychosis um, and I said I don't I don't like the phrasing of the question um, yeah. because um, depression and anxiety, which are implied as less serious by the phrasing of the question, um, I was like people who suffer with that um, do like not everyone but some people take their own lives and there can't yeah. be anything more serious than that. And we sort of had a chat about it for a little while and he's like yeah but there's more there's other stuff that goes on with these other in brackets serious illnesses and I was like no I'm not I'm not debating that and yes there's definitely something else there that means they should maybe be worded as different but I don't think serious is the right word and we started talking about like yeah I agree um complex or something like that like yeah they are more complex they're not mm. more serious and again it's no, I, I don't know I agree. I I always find myself backtracking. I'll say serious. Then I'm like, yeah, but it is serious. They're all serious illnesses. But that is the language that's used, though, isn't it? And I think it is that being happy. Kind of the point of of what I do is trying to change is that we should be challenging the Mm. fact that just because it's said every day doesn't mean that it's it's okay to continue to do Mm. such. 
Um, and I, I think that's a really good point you brought up because I do find myself saying that and I always end up backtracking going, well, no, because, you know, I've got family members with depression who, for them, it's very serious. Yeah. Um, and it affects their day-to-day life every day. Um, and, you know, to, to me, what's more serious than that? If it's mm. affecting how you live your life, yeah. it's very serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because it's common shouldn't mean that it's not serious. Cancer's common, and yet mm. you wouldn't have someone going, oh, well, it's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd and, find and someone. <laughs> look at it. I think... Oh, I Every, like, one in, one in three people have cancer. It's, it's fine. <laughs> you wouldn't say that, would you? So why are we saying that about mental health? And I think you're right. I think it's also ha- having the... Um, I guess the kind of the confidence and the comfort in having those conversations and saying, uh, like, I might have a preference to use certain terminology, but also accepting other people using different things. So, um, I I remember, oh, oh, say a couple of weeks, it's a couple of months now, um, back when it was World Mental Health Day, and mm. um, I was in a workplace having some conversations with. Um, some gentlemen and it was a a very uh, male dominant uh, environment and they were sort of talking about they'd heard um, a certain morning presenter use the phrase mental strength uh, and how that should be used instead of mental health and I was like oh no I don't really agree with that because it implies if you've got a weakness um, if you've got an illness then you have a you have a mental weakness And they were like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And then we carried on the conversation and, and they continued to use mental strength and they liked that phrase. And then so it was for me to say, actually, no, we've had the conversation about that wouldn't necessarily be my preference. But these people that I want to engage in a conversation are happy to have it and use that terminology. Actually, the best thing is that we're talking. It doesn't matter that we may be using a different phrasing that one of us doesn't like. And I think it's that idea that we can have those discussions and go, yeah, that's not phrased the best way, but at least we're talking about it. And I think sometimes yeah. people go, oh, I don't really know what to say or how to say it, so I'm just not going to talk about it at all. Yeah, I think I think just having the conversation is the most important part um, about mental health, um, mm. making sure that it's not some taboo subject and no nobody's gonna agree on everything it's it's impossible we're all human mm. we all think differently we all believe differently <laughs> um, and we all have different morals and and I think we all have different ideas on the best way and I mean I as a campaigner I've clashed with other campaigners in the past um mm. not in a nasty way but some some of them are against me calling out stigma because mm. some of them like to stigmatize themselves in the way of well they don't see it as stigmatizing themselves yeah. but I do. and the, and the, um because they like to refer to themselves as a loon or they went into the loony bin and for me mm. loony bin is a term that I hate I mean mm. we're not trash mm. yeah yeah <laughs> And I personally don't think I'm a loon, but people are okay if if it's them and it's their experience. There's nothing wrong with them referring to their experience like that. But, um, you know, so sometimes you think you're trying to help 
And actually, sometimes it can be a hindrance to someone who just yeah. wants to make a joke out of an awful experience. Mm. So you're never going to get everyone to agree. Mm. Very true. And a good example, because like you say, that person might feel really comfortable and accepted in terms of using that language around their own storytelling. Um, mm. And that's great. But like you say, it's, it's also recognising that when they tell that story in that way that some people might be either offended or feel less likely to open up to them um and again it's just it's but yeah it's being mindful where we can um but again that's it's constantly having those conversations and talking to people and re um i guess reframing or rethinking what we think and how we express it as well and it's a learning process it's a it's a conversation five years ago no one was really having. So we are going to be learning what's acceptable and, and what people have preference for as we go along. Yeah, and I think it's important not to take away someone else's validation of their experiences. Mm. Um, I, I mean, it was a learning curve for me because um, I haven't been campaigning that long. Um, and I saw it and, and, you know, for me, red flags mm. came up brain and I was like you you can't talk like that and um you know and at first she was like well I can do what I want mm, yeah <laughs> we got a bit feisty and then I said hang on a minute I said I think we're both misunderstanding each other here and we had mm. a really good conversation about mm. what what it meant for each of us that that term yeah and we ended up getting on really well and following each other on Twitter and supportive <laughs> and it in you know and it, it was for me, like, you can't fix everybody because not everybody wants to be fixed. And mm. I think that's that was a really powerful tool for me because I realised that you can't just go in guns blazing. You have to say, well, how do you feel about that? How does that word make you feel? Mm. And, then, and then open up to say, well, it makes me feel like this and that's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. Both of you. Um, I think if it's not being said out of ignorance, then it's completely fine. Mm. Um, and I guess in regards to like you mentioned, uh, being involved with time to change and different types of campaigning and things like that that you've done, how did, how did kind of that all start and where did, where did your involvement in, um, I guess being a voice for, for mental health in terms of illness and wellness, um, start? Um, I had, so the beacon is my local community mental health team. Um, that's what it's called. Mm. And uh, I was in there and I was struggling to decide. I did go to uni to do psychology, but that's when I had my breakdown. Mm. So um, I never managed to do that. And I was feeling a bit lost. Um, I didn't really know where to channel. You know, I've always been interested in working in mental health. but And I was hoping to become some kind of therapist. But obviously that didn't work out. Um, so I was talking to um, the peer support lady there and I said, look, I'd like to do peer support. And she said, well, we haven't got any opportunities at the moment, but let me have a look and see what what sort of similar opportunities are going around at the moment. Yeah. And she came back to me with the application for Time to Change Young Champions. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure because the cutoff age is between 16 and 25 and um Although the joining was in September, I was turning 25 in the November. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's a bit cheeky. I'm not sure if they're going to gonna want me. Um, 
but it but I had a read of it and it sounded like a fantastic opportunity and I just thought well it can't hurt to apply Mm. Um, so when I got um, an email back saying you know welcome please come to to London and meet all these 80 other champions (laughs) I was like oh my god Um, and then the anxiety kicked in because I thought well who am I to go out and change the world you know Mm. who cares what I think um and then I walked in that room and I met everyone and I realized that actually it's not just my voice because there's 79 other voices here Mm. and they're all so powerful and they're all so inspirational and we've all had lived experience of mental health and we're all here because we want change Mm. and it I get a bit emotional thinking about it (laughs) um because it was just such a powerful message that we were all here to do the same thing um and the training was amazing and they gave us so many opportunities to to blog to tweet to facebook the world about everything on social media um they gave us opportunities to go to events and talk and deliver our testimonies our stories of our how mental health has affected us and why we want the change Mm. um and, you know, it's just led to so many opportunities and so many, um, you know, it just opened my eyes to how many options there are, I suppose. I think one of the things that I take from from seeing um, Time to Change champions, and particularly the young champions, I think is is that conversation starting that is um, encouraged. And like you say, yeah, there's um, bits of knowledge that people have, but it's predominantly that this is my experience and I'm happy to talk about it and to share it with you. You don't have to be like, you don't have to be like uh, a doctor or a nurse, a psychologist, a counsellor or whoever, a life coach. Um, anyone can sit and tell their story and it's it's being happy to hold that space and I think that's what I find really engaging because you're not asking other people to go away and train up for six months or however many years to have a conversation or saying no look you've lived your life and and you can talk about it and you can listen to your friends or your family or your colleagues and and be happy to hear that information you don't need to be an expert and I think that's the thing that I find really encouraging um, about the the kind of the champions program in regards to that conversation starting um i am quite simplistic with some stuff and i do think we would um prevent some illnesses escalating and we would prevent um some of them getting to the stage where professional support is needed if we could encourage people to to have those conversations and provide them with a couple of additional skills or confidence in signposting or finding support um at an early stage yeah I mean I was I was up at the time to change offices about two weeks ago and we were talking about introducing digital champions um I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it but I'm going to anyway (laughs) (laughs) um it's something that's still still in the early thinking stages but the idea behind it is that 
Um, it's people that don't need to go up to London to train. It's mm. people that can do webinars mm. um, from home. So working mums, um, stay-at-home mums, stay-at-home dads. Yeah. People that have just a spare hour or two on the weekend can still get involved and mm. still campaign and still learn how to talk about mental health. Um, and it was something that really excited me. So I really hope it, it does come mm. into fruition because it would be fantastic. Because, um, I mean, anyone can become a champion. You just go and sign up on the Time to Change website. But, um, you know, um, obviously there is some mandatory training that you do have to be available for. And mm. I think if, if you could do it all online, mm. it would... It would definitely, I think, appeal to a lot more people that have less time on their hands. Yeah, and I think there is that growth in, uh, I guess, uh, a combination of online training and online use of resources and things as well, and people's comfort in doing that. I know there's already the um, like the, the short modules you can do on the website, because I've done the, the, the quick little... Um, yeah it's like watcher it's not really watcher it's like click through a powerpoint and then answer a couple of questions um Mm. and it gives you like a bit of information and you can print off a certificate at the end of that which is pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah I've done some of those and I think even those are quite useful because again it I I feel like it just from for the most part it reinforces the things that you already know um and gives you that confidence to go away and yes there are some that are a bit more like um if you want to set up a stand or do an event or whatever what do you need to think about but there are some nice just general ones on there as well um so i think that's a good i suppose that's a good starting point for whatever comes in the future if that is a, a form of a a digital or online champion and more online resources and training that's available yeah that's definitely the way that we're hoping to go with it um just because um i was on the advisory panel for how to make the young champion program better mm. um because things, even amazing things can always be improved on mm. and uh we we all sort of agreed that it needs to be a bit more widespread um that the internet is you know still growing mm. and there's still an untapped market out there for people to 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 bring change really mm. um and we spent we spent a few hours talking about the new handbook for the young champions which i have confirmation that is about eleven thousand words long uh, so you know there's going to be so many tips and advice and quotes and just awesome stuff in there for the new young champions um to get inspired by <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lots to read <laughs> <laughs> i was going to say like one of the i guess one of the questions i did kind of have in my mind you sort of probably answered this already now is what's it been like as you've progressed from being a young champion to kind of the the ongoing role that you've got with time to change and just generally being a campaigner um i think my confidence has definitely grown um i say when i first walked in there i was like who wants to listen to me and now i'm like 
I don't care who wants to listen to me. I'm going to speak anyway. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And people will listen. And I think that's the difference is that now I believe in myself and I believe in my voice and I believe in my story and mm. I believe in the change that we're trying to enact. And I believe in a world where stigma against mental health is gone, if not greatly reduced. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, I think it's just so important to remember that I I once allowed myself to be stigmatised and now I'm like, no, I'm not going to have it. <laughs> and thanks for time to change and them explaining to me, you know, that actually I was discriminated against and that's not okay. Mm. And I can assure you that if an employer ever tried that with me again, <laughs> they would be the ones that were sorry. <laughs> I, I can't, I think the workplace stuff I find really interesting because of the, the variety, the range of people's experience um, in terms of that environment of the people that they work with and the things that they've had said to them. Um, because I've even had people before that have said, do you know what? Like they were very supportive and they really wanted to help and they were there for me, but they would say very kind of, negative or stigmatizing things and they didn't mean them in a hurtful way um but what they were saying was really bad and it, again it came back to that idea that these people weren't people that were like anti kind of mental health discussion but there was just no knowledge or no understanding of kind of what mental health is how it affects everyone um and that sort of mindset I don't know if you think, like, is that something over time that is changing and how that could yeah. be improved? Yeah, I think it's definitely changing. The, the more, especially the royal family, I think they've helped mental health phenomenally. I can't say that word, but you know what I mean. I know Phenom- the one you mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try again. <laughs> phenomenally. But, uh, nope, that wasn't it either, was it? Phenomenally? <laughs> no. Anyway... <laughs> A lot. They've helped it a lot. They've helped them a lot, yeah. They've moved it along a lot. Um, I mean, they're such high-profile people and um, everyone loves the princes. So I think, mm. you know, they've, they've seen them go through trauma and for them to say, open up and say, actually, no, we, we suffer with mental health and we have in the past. Um, I think that gave a huge boost and their charity work with young children with mental health has definitely helped it massively um i think we the the latest statistics i think stigma has gone down by about nine percent i think it was um it everything that we're doing is working slowly um and i think more people are open to talking about it now Mm. people that um perhaps were brought up that mental health was not a thing are starting to question it. Um, I know my nan certainly has come around to the idea that actually, you know, there is something wrong with me and it's not just that I'm not trying hard enough. And she's been really supportive since she's done a lot of research. And I think it's all about educating people. And and I say, I mean, I didn't understand what mental health was and now I'm a campaigner. So Mm. um, I think it's all about education and, and having people understand that I think it's not actually something that if you've never experienced it, you'll never understand. I think you can understand it, but if you ask the right questions and you listen to the right people, 
You're still there. Yeah, sorry. Just, <laughs> that's quite a big breath if you listen to the right people. <laughs> sorry, I just, yeah. <laughs> this is fine. Um, so you're like, with the with the conversations and the stigma and the awareness raising, do you think there's any difference then as someone that has, um, as you mentioned, that experience of those um more complex illnesses as well as depression and anxiety is there a difference in those like is there more kind of awareness or recognition of one particular illness or um is it across the board i don't know i would say definitely depression and anxiety i think everyone has heard of it now I don't think there's anyone unless they've been living in a shoebox mm. that could say that they don't understand or at least have heard of men- mental health. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's really important to remember that every single one of us has mental health. Mm. Just one in four of us has mental illness. Um, but I mean, some of the more complex mm. uh, illnesses, I think there's still a lot more that needs to be spoken about. And there's still a lot more that needs to be explored for the general public, I think. Mm. Um, but I'm, I think it will come. I think bipolar is starting to be spoken about a lot more now, mm. um, you know, especially with high profile people like Stephen Fry um, being so open about it. Um, and I think I think the days of people thinking that schizophrenia is where you're just violent will will cease. I think it will come. I think the day where people don't look at me and say, you have a personality disorder, well, what's wrong with your personality? <laughs> um, I think those days will come to an end, at least if not in, in the next 10 years, at least in the next 20, I would imagine. Mm. I think you're right. I think um, I, I guess from personal experience, my, my thoughts are that people are becoming more willing to talk about mental health in general um, and it's that battle to engage people in conversations about like how are you doing and how am I doing like they're happy to talk about it in a general abstract sort of way Um, and I suppose as people become more confident and comfortable to talk about their experiences that's when we start to get maybe more information about particular illnesses and when people really engage in those conversations because I think otherwise the um, illnesses, I think like BPD and PTSD and um, a range of other um, illnesses, I think they are complex. They are quite hard to describe to someone that has no knowledge of mental health, whereas you can to some extent simplify depression and anxiety and people can have an understanding of that quite quickly. Um, So I think as we become more comfortable talking about um, personal stories and experiences, that will start to come. And like you say, um, that it's not going to happen today or next year, but hopefully over the coming sort of, uh, I say months in an optimistic way, but in the coming sort of months and years, um, that that will start to happen much more. I think it will seep through. I think people will start to talk about the bigger stuff mm. and say, you know, okay, we've we've talked about depression and anxiety until 
we've turned blue in the face but you know there are other illnesses out there there are eating disorders there are mood disorders personality disorders you know all these all these things that we're not talking about enough Mm. I'm not saying they're not being spoken about because they are but still maybe not quite in the right way and the media are still portraying them I mean you hear oh that you know you hear more about the 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 people that have mental health that have committed crime than you do about anyone else and yet yeah. um, the actual statistics say the complete opposite mm. <laughs> you're way more likely to be a victim of crime if you have a mental health issue and you know these sort of things um while they're still happening um people are still going to get a distorted view of what mental health looks like mm. Um, and I guess with that that mindset of informing people and having those conversations, um, you've got your own blog as well. So not just the campaigning and kind of being involved with the Time to Change stuff. You are actually um, kind of constantly sharing your own story. Like, how did that start, and how is that going for you? Um, it's going really well, actually. Um, it started off as just a place for me to almost vent and. Hmm. Um, it's writing is very therapeutic for me um and I just thought if I can help just one other person understand that they're not alone Mm. and I thought well what's the harm in sharing it on a platform where someone else can see it um and I always try um and be real with it I I would never try and sugarcoat anything um but I do try and always leave a positive spin on it or if I absolutely can't I will suggest that if someone else is feeling that way that they reach out Mm. and and get help because you know there's no point in feeling like that alone and the whole point is to reach out and and get help Mm. um whether through a friend or a family member or a professional um and there's always links. Um, sometimes I'll post a link to the NHS website, which has a, a, a load, a load of um, self-help uh, numbers, you know, Samaritan, um, for example, Mental Health Matters, um, just loads of different options on there of of how to seek help if, if you need it. And I think that's really important that, you know, I always leave at the end either a positive message or, or or some kind of thing to say if you do feel like me because I am reaching out for help I wish someone else will as well and um, because I think it's important to make sure that you don't leave it on a, on a negative mm. on a negative because although things can be negative um it doesn't mean that that there aren't positives in life and my, I think my most popular blog post was 10 reasons to stay alive um, which I wrote for Mental Health Day, mm. and um, I just, I just really wanted to, to for me, um, to I wasn't going, I wasn't feeling too great at the time, yeah. and I just wanted to remind myself of of all the good reasons that I had to to, to be alive, um, and it's such an important thing to remember that you know things can be bad at the moment, but there are so many amazing things that we get to experience in life i think we're 
naturally, aren't we? We're drawn to those negatives and we pull attention to them. I know I definitely do. Um, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of positives over here. That's fine. But let's have a proper look at these negatives. Um, and it is good to every so often have a reminder. Look, no, actually, like, there are positive. Like, pay attention and recognise them. They are just as important, if not more so, um, than the negatives. Um, whether there's more or less of them doesn't necessarily matter. It's, let's pay attention to them. Um, and I think we... Uh, I don't know if you find this as a kind of, not necessarily a campaigner, but someone that speaks about mental health and supports other people, that we are very, very quick to um, signpost someone to help and um, very slow often to put ourselves in the situation <laughs> where we're actually accessing that help. Um, yeah. But like you yeah, say... It's... I try not to be hypocritical if I... <laughs> <laughs> I I am quite good at reaching out for help. I didn't used to be, but the more I've been, actually, I've I found the more I've been signposting other people to help, mm. the more I've been taking it myself. That's really um, good. Yeah, it's been it's been a really positive thing because I'm like, oh my god, I can't I can't send all my readers to <laughs> to get help and sit here and not like, do anything. Not, yeah. Um, I'm like, they're relying on me to tell them how it went. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I've got to get this help. I think yeah. it is it is good though to hear that um that side of yeah, I can share my story and I can be struggling and I can write about the difficult stuff. Um. But I am aware and I am going to mention like all of the positive support that's available as well. Um, like yeah. I've, I have read posts before and I was like, um, even when they sort of turn at the end and it becomes a bit more upbeat for that person, I was like, oh, it would be nice just to have had a couple of places to signpost to. And um, I know it's not always easy to do or certain things are done in a bit of a rush or with limited time. Um but yeah, just to have some really clear, nice signposting, like you say, there's loads of stuff on NHS website, there's um, obviously Samaritans all the time, there's loads of stuff even on um, different charity websites in your local area, there's usually a load of stuff about um, accessing support or bits of information, and um, again, it's that side, I think sometimes people don't necessarily always need or want that professional support but it's having some sort of community group or activity and um like the coffee lunches and drop-in things and um well-being cafes and like mindfulness yeah. yoga are all really cool things to kind of get into and try as a form of support as well yeah i mean i did when i first started my blog i didn't really know how i was gonna go with it so i used a um I used a template that I found on online mm. and it was, it was basically telling you like, it was like read something that will help your mental health or choose an affirmation for today and repeat it to yourself, practice positive self-talk. Um, there was like, try take a social media break for the day. Yeah. Um, go on and unsubscribe spree on your, on your emails, like loads <laughs> of, Things. And that was kind of how I started because I didn't really know how I was going to to, to how my blog was going to form, and then from there I started to to write my own, um, and now recently um, they're pretty much all just little little snippets of my day or 
how I've been feeling over the week. And I don't blog every day. I, I wanted to. That was the intention. But I think actually sometimes you just have to take some time for yourself and say, mm. do you know what? It doesn't matter if I haven't blogged for 10 days because if you haven't got the content or if you're if it's going to make you worse, you know, you're the most important person. Mm. Mm. And I think it's really important to remember that. Yeah. Like you say, it's it's remembering why why you're writing and what you're writing for. Um, if you don't feel like it and you don't want to, don't force it. Don't feel like you have to. It's not like that's not going to be useful for you. And it's probably even if you're just thinking of oh, it's more content. Like it's not going to be the best if you're forcing it. So um, I never with anything I write. It's sometimes I sit there and I try. And I think it's just not real. And for me, I, I've always wanted my blog to be real and to be honest and open. And some days that's me saying, today was a really good day and that might be it. Mm. And other days it might be me saying, I'm just falling completely apart and I need some help. And I'm this is me saying things aren't always okay. Mm. And I think I just love blogging because... I don't see anyone else reading it. I, I see I see a read count, but I don't know who's read it. Mm. I don't know what they've thought of it. Um, but for me, it's it's just quite nice to know that someone's reading it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and that someone else is seeing your story as well. Um, yeah. Like you say, you don't need to know who reads it. It's just knowing that it's no, been read. You really don't. I've, I have no... I have no wish to know who it is. I just hope that it's been useful or helpful or sometimes made someone laugh or, you know, had someone relate in some way to it and gone, oh, that's how I feel. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that that's way more important than... I, I think quality rather than quantity has always been mm. how I felt. Mm. As long as someone's getting something out of it, I don't care if it's only one person mm. on the other side of the world, you know. Um, if a hundred people read it and and skim through it all and don't bother to take it in, then that's not the point. Whereas mm. if one person reads it and says, "Oh my god, I'm not alone," mm. then I've won. Mm. Mm. Um, and with kind of the blog uh, in mind, if people want to get in contact with you or find out a little bit more about you, um, where can they go and how can they do that? Um, well, they can Google One Voice in the Abyss or they can have the link, which is onevoiceintheabyss.blogspot.com forward slash question mark M X, uh, equals one. Nice. Um, and uh, we'll obviously... They can also follow me on Instagram, yep. which is erised90, E-R-I-S-E-D 90. Um, it's desire back backwards oh okay i was like what is that it's from harry potter the mirror of erised oh okay <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a harry potter oh, geek no. oh gee whistle sticks i remember always 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 follow me on twitter at zoe speaks out oh that one's more simple that one is more simple <laughs> Yeah, well, I usually use that one for campaigning, but um, obviously the the blog link is a bit complicated, but I didn't get to choose that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I remember years ago, I think it was like the first time I had uh, a 
password for something online and it was I remember having to phone up because I couldn't access whatever the account was and um, went through all the security questions and they were like okay we can um, reset your password and I was like oh, out of interest what, what was it um, and it was like WASDIF or something and I was like what is, what is that and I'd, I was like can you spell it so they spelled it and I wrote it down I was like I've got no idea reset it and then afterwards it was, it was about five minutes I was sat there looking at it and I was like oh it's password backwards <laughs> <laughs> and I was like you know when you think it's a really good idea at first and I was like it's so secure <laughs> like I've got no, completely forgotten about it it's absolutely ridiculous but at least yours is yours has got a meaning so there's no reason for you to remember it um yeah that's ace uh well thank you so much for for coming on and for sharing your story and um letting us have an insight into um your campaigning and all the different things that you've been involved with as well it's been really interesting i think especially for me just to find out a bit more about you because i think we've only spoken a couple of times properly and just to hear more about your story is amazing so thank you so much for sharing you're very welcome um and i'm sure we will talk again very very soon so thank you for coming onto the podcast yeah that'd be great i'll talk to you soon bye bye These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well, so it sort of started from there. And then she was like, "Okay, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything, and her face dropped. You're not depressed, It's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.